Welcome to the podcast, Energy Medicine, where we are aligning your mind, body, and spirit with energy-based modalities. With your host, Dr. Mary Sanders, a medical intuitive and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. Today's guest is Maria Hohaya. Maria is the founder and CEO of Break Up With Busy and is known as the anti-hustle coach. She works with driven yet unfulfilled females, showing them how to use their thoughts and energy to attract and manifest what they really want with less stress, hustle, and self-sacrifice. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Dr. Mary, and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and visit my website, www.drmarysanders.com, to download a free guide to boost your energy centers to experience more clarity, purpose, and vitality. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to today's show. With me is a wonderful lady. I know that you are going to enjoy her as much as I do. And her name is Marissa Hoya, who is known as the anti-hustle coach. And to be honest with you all, I may be mispronouncing her last name. So Marissa, please share your essence and say your last name. Hi, my name is Marissa Hoya. I am the anti-hustle coach. So I help Women who are overwhelmed, fed up, frustrated, feeling lost in their own lives, reconnect with their inner power, their intuition, and really understand the practicalities of how to live in ease and flow, how to practice Mm -hmm. surrender, how to create a new life, and choose their energy and their thoughts in new ways. And listeners, what Marissa's not sharing with you, that she spent about a decade as a top executive in global recruiting, working for Fortune 500 in a high growth startup. So she has a background in psychology. So she has a master's and a bachelor's in psychology. And she's a certified life coach and a certified emotional intelligence coach. And she is an advanced Reiki practitioner. So she really has a wonderful kind of an eclectic background that she brings together as she holds space to be of service to others. And quite honestly, I think they all resonate. They come together and she plays upon these strengths in such a beautiful way. So Marissa, thank you so, so very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know that you're in the middle of transition. You've got some chaos in your life. You're changing households. You're blending yes. blending families. You're, you're moving and shaking. So I know that taking time out of your schedule today is precious. So on behalf of myself and the listeners, thank you so much for being participating on the podcast, Energy Medicine. I'm so grateful to be here. I, I can't wait to chat. And listeners, I know I, I, I hate saying this, but once again, Marissa and I started chatting before we even got on the call today. And I wish I would have pushed record as soon as we said hello to one another. Because what ended up happening is that our energy frequencies matched at an entrainment that all of a sudden we were talking about the intention as to what we wanted to deliver to all of you today. And I personally, I just thought it was really um, impactful. I really thought that the intention, the blending of our frequencies, I just know that today's conversation is going to be extra special. 
So one of the things that Marissa and I have in common is that she and I have both literally been through burnout. We've crashed hard. We've blown up our worlds. We've gone to bare basics, wondered who in the heck we are, why we're here on this planet, and why we're in this physical body. And that whole transformational journey for both of us, and I'll let Marissa speak on her experience, was humbling. Humbling and enriching in the same experience. And so one of the things that Marissa was holding and is holding intention for in today's conversation is to really talk about where we choose to be as spirits within the physical body before we get indoctrinated by belief systems from society or our culture or from our family. Where does our psychology, the mental aspects of our brain, where does it really start in ingraining the belief system? So this is Marissa's specialty. So I'd like to hear from you, Marissa. What, how do our beliefs and our thoughts impact our decision making and in aligning with our true purpose and how ultimately it can affect our stress levels as well? Yeah, great questions. And I'm excited to dive into this. So where to start, right? Where to start? It's such a complex web, beliefs and thoughts and the entanglement with our behavior. You know, they are not mutually exclusive thought and behavior, right? They're very intertwined on a very subconscious level. And what's interesting is oftentimes we don't make that connection. So we think that our behavior comes from something that somebody else did or something outside of us, or I had to do it this way, or I it's best to do it this way, or this is the right choice. And those choices oftentimes are coming from a place of programming, that belief, that thought that's happening on a deeper level from the mind, right? Not necessarily from the soul or from the intuition. So if we aren't taught, which very few of us are (laughs) from an early age, to listen to the whispers within us, to make decisions from that place, then we have to acquire that skill. We have to acquire the skill to move beyond our thoughts and our minds to really understand what is the best course of action for us, right? And that is that is the work that I do with my clients. And so, you know, in terms of our happiness, our thoughts and beliefs are everything. Because our thoughts and beliefs impact what we expect to happen, right? And they impact the meaning that we put on different situations. So if we have a belief system deep down that hard work and sacrifice is what it takes to be successful, if that's what we've been shown, if that's what is ingrained within our our psyche, then that is how we will operate in the world. And that is our expectation. Our expectation is that that will come from the hard work and the grinding and the sacrificing. So all of our behavior is influenced by our thoughts and our beliefs. And a lot of those beliefs are limited. You know, they aren't necessarily the beliefs that are going to lead us to joy and peace and connection and inspiration and creativity 
and attraction and ease and flow and all these little spiritual sound bites that we hear all over the place, right? That we, we want our beliefs, our thoughts oftentimes lead us in a different direction toward toxic overworking, overproducing more, 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 more. And that causes us to speed up, use our energy, spin our wheels, burn out, right? When really, if we just repair, if we can repair those beliefs, we can come back to truth, universal truth, and our truth within, then we can attract and create that reality with more ease. And we can have a lot more fun along the way. Yeah, so true. So true. But often, oftentimes, I know as women, and I can really only truly speak for myself and that we make it so much harder than it needs to be, right? <laughs> I mean, yes, I mean <laughs> humans in general. Yeah, I, yeah. We, we, we way overcomplicate life. Yeah. Marissa, you've got a couple of key points in there, what you just shared with us that I'd like to go back and revisit and unpack some of the things that you insinuated in your in your last conversation. And that is, number one, you're talking about the brain's neurological ability to repattern itself. Correct. So the belief system that we are conditioned, it's like we're on autopilot. We have created a pathway of nerves to fire based upon just an automatic response or a belief system. So you're insinuating that the brain is somewhat plastic, it's moldable in that neuroplasticity. And I know that that's kind of a big science word. It's a mouthful, but essentially the ability to reprogram the brain to have a different neurological pathway to have a different outcome. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's like a computer, right? I think this is such a great analogy. You buy a computer and there's nothing on it. It's a blank canvas. This is who we are when we are, we come into the world, right? It's not until you start downloading programs into the computer that you're able to actually do anything with it, right? So we start through the, up until the age of seven, really paying attention to our environment and downloading all of these programs so that we can be loved and we can be accepted and we can feel safe. Those are the primary primal needs of a baby. And so our brains are designed to, to download for that seven year period and then to carry that forward. But the, the challenge then is that the patterns you're carrying forward, the programs, the way of being, personality, the re- the responses, the reactions, those are based on somebody else's experience, not in our own, in what we are destined to be and to become in this lifetime. Hmm. So we often get to this place, and, and I know this was the case for me, and it's the case for all of my clients, and I know somewhat for you as well, where we get to this point of maturity usually in our 30s, if we're lucky, where we have to stop and we go, hang on a second, like this doesn't feel like my life. And how did I get here? And now what? And it's a very confronting 
experience. It's terrifying at first, right? Especially if you feel that, you know, you're alone in this world. If you don't have any kind of spiritual connection or understanding or, you know, you, you, you have this individualistic kind of perception that we all have or this notion that like we're alone and life is happening to us. So true. So mm-hmm. true. I'm going to go off on a tangent here because I think it relates a little bit to what you're talking about and the demographics as to who's listening, listeners out here. I know who you are. And I know many of us have suffered what we will call a certain level of perfectionism within ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, big word, big word. And um, I can honestly say that I'm a recovering perfectionist, Mm -hmm. but I still have my moments. I really, honestly, I still have my moments where I try to overachieve and I'm like, wait, 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 time out. You're so beyond that. But I'm not, clearly. And then the other thing that I want to talk about in relation to what you're sharing, Marissa, is that oftentimes in our conditioning and the downloads that we have received, whether they come from society, whether they come from our culture, whether they come from our parents, I think it sets us up to either have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And I can remember literally the first time I really understood the difference between the two when I was studying Dr. Carol DeWitt's work. And here I was trying to be a neutral observer and realizing that I really had a fixed mindset. Like I was so fearful of failure that it prevented me from progressing in many areas of my body or in my life, I should say. And I, I think that that's part of what Marissa is holding space for others in that we know psychologically that there are programming and we also know energetically that I believe, and I'm maybe I'm speaking out of tune, but I believe that most of us want to align with that higher purpose or that original blueprint of allowing us to find the space of authentic expression. And that comes with, you know, fumbling. It comes with, you know, falling forward. It comes from sometimes, you know, trying to find the alignment of the energy that actually propels us forward in a state of grace and ease. And you've been talking about that. So can you share, like, I know you have tons of experience in your own life. And I'd like to hear more about your own personal journey as you went through burnout and what ultimately was your turning point And how do you hold space for other women that are going through something that you possibly have already been through? Yeah, yeah. So for me, going way back, because it's a a relevant part of my story, when I was young, my parents divorced, I mean, 11, 12, not that young, but my mom was a top executive in software at and an engineer when I was young. So she was very busy. She worked a lot. She traveled a lot. I was fortunate enough at times to go with her, but long hours, I would sleep on the floor at the office building with her when we were in Chicago or wherever we were, Atlanta. So I, I observed this pattern very early on of like work late and work hard and, you know, be tired. (laughs) And 
say yes, right? And no criticism or judgment to her, right? This was, she she had a high level position and this was the 80s, which is huge for a woman. And at, at that time, I think even still in this day and age, there's an extra pressure that comes with that. And so then my, my dad was an attorney and he was also very busy and very masculine energy, you know, go, 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 go. So I picked up pieces of that from both sides. And then, you know, as I got kind of into my life and in my career, started to display some of that same behavior. And in the beginning of my career, it served me really well. I was, I had a lot of energy, right? And I had a lot of passion and excitement and I was in my twenties. <laughs> I had to channel all that energy somewhere, right? So, so it was good. Um, but where it really started to consume me and take me in a different direction and break me really was in my thirties when I had kids and I would find myself as a recruiter trying to like literally having my kids in the bathtub while on the phone, negotiating an offer with a candidate and be putting it on mute like every couple seconds and washing the hair with one hand and talking with the other. And my oldest son has autism. So I had a lot of extra responsibilities in terms of his life and his care. And my ex-husband at the time was going through some tra- big career transitions and life transitions, moving on from being a, a professional athlete to finding his next career move and, and all of the psychological impacts of that. So my nature was to take on all of that, to take it on, to fix it, to keep it all together. So it was too much. It was just too much, right? And it's and, and then my way of coping with that was alcohol and food and more doing, right? Because it's a it's our vicious cycle, vicious, vicious cycle. You're never satisfied. And so eventually got to the point where I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Could not do it anymore. And long story short, I don't think there was any pivotal moment for me. It was micro moments. It's just these micro fractions of moments that just built up and built up and built up to the point where I just said, man, can't live like this anymore. It's going to kill me. It's going to kill me. So I left my job, started my own business. And said, I'm going to do it my way. And I got divorced and said, all right, what do you want to do? <laughs> what now? What do you want to create for yourself? This is your chance. But I didn't trust myself enough to do it alone. And I was really, really sick of doing things alone. And I knew that therapy wasn't the thing that was going to going to help me with the results I wanted to get. So I did the therapy because I think therapy is important, but it's not the only path, right? And so I also started dabbling in Reiki. And then I got my, because I'm a recovering type A, I went all the way up to, you know, getting my advanced certification. And I sought out a spiritual mentor who helped me find my intuitive gifts and brought forth a lot within me that I did not know was there and picked up a lot of modalities and processes and tools for me in the beginning, right? It was really for me. It wasn't to to share these things with the world. It was 
to, to change my life, to be present for my kids, to feel relaxed in my life. You know, when you're stuck in that feeling of hustle all the time, you can just never be at peace because you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. So I needed to really get to what was within me and a place of comfort within myself. And I had to do that alone. And I see now that letting go of certain things in my life needed to happen in order for me to have the transformation that I owed myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that brought me to a place where I then realized that I was creating things that I never even knew were possible for myself once I shifted my inner world. And I was like, whoa, all this stuff I'm reading about is real. Like this is, this is real. You can actually create your own life. That shift of acceptance and understanding that I was the creator of my own life and then seeing the evidence of that in my reality is what then set the momentum forward for me. And Honestly, the most difficult part of that journey for me, which is always a journey, right, is maintaining the spiritual practice. And I think that that's where a lot of people fall down because we are spirits having a human experience and the humanness of us is always there. And the human part of us is the mind and the ego. And when we don't come back to the soul, we don't come back to spirit regularly, the ego, the mind will take over. Our humanness will take over. So that spiritual practice has been the thing (laughs) that has grounded me and allowed me to then go and do a lot of other things and then to bring that outwardly to the world, to others. I love that. I'm sorry you had to go through that life experience, but in just like I would not wish my experience on other people, but there's something beautiful that comes out of the vulnerability that when you are a beautiful, you know, spirit contained within your human home and you experience that depth of wondering, you know, what am I here to do? I think that opens up a a whole new a spiritual journey for people in which if they choose to accept that, then they can fully embrace that inner transformation that you're talking about. Now, I know that there are a lot of listeners who are listening to you and they're like, well, yeah, I can totally believe, you know, I have life experiences that have, you know, caused me to hit kind of rock bottom as well, but they're probably sitting here listening going, well, share, share some of the tools that you (laughs) share with your clients when you're working one-on-one. What are some of the simple practices that you teach others in order to avoid burnout and to really bring the spiritual essence forth in their daily lives? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the first most easiest digestible step for people is to get started if they don't already with meditation. Meditation is the doorway to the soul. Amen, sister. Yes. You cannot physically get within if you don't move move the mind over and put it on pause for a minute. And that is literally what meditation is. It's pausing thought. So you need to be able to move beyond the mind. That's number one. Number two, I think is very simple. This is my favorite. Grab a piece of paper every morning, draw a line down the middle. Left hand of the paper, today I will be responsible for everything that you are going to be responsible for. Right hand of the paper, 
everything I'm going to hand over to spirit or to the universe or to God, whatever source energy, whatever phrase you would like to use. But that exercise takes you out of your individuality and brings you back to the oneness and the connectedness of our true experience in this lifetime and starts you on the path of recognizing that you aren't alone and that the universe is supporting you and will help you start to trust and believe that because as you begin handing things over, that's surrender. You're practicing surrender. And once you start to see them showing up in your reality or taking care of themselves without you really doing anything with your actions, then you can start to see the evidence of that. Oh my goodness, this is actually a thing, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's not just a concept or a theory or philosophy. If I actually hand things over, if I take them off my plate, if I surrender, then they work out anyway. Mm-hmm. And it also allows you to create a, a wider, a smaller focus, right? On what you are willing to do that day. How much we often aren't conscious of all the things that we're taking on in that day, right? So putting it down on paper and, and being able to see it all in one place, it helps you realize the magnitude of, of what you're trying to do. And maybe you just commit to three to five. I mean, if you can knock three things off your list in a day, I think that's a pretty damn good day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that we are lift, you know, we overpack our expectations of what we can accomplish in one day. Yeah. When I listen to you, I love that exercise. I'm going to try it. And so essentially, you know, dividing the paper in half and that which yeah. you are going to be responsible for and that which you are going to hand over to spirit. And as I was listening to that exercise, I couldn't help but to think of a mantra that I have recommended, I love personally, and that I've recommended to others. And it's simple. And that's just relax, open, allow. And for so many of us, women specifically, as we are trying to be all and do all for our existence, I think that we hold on so tightly in the control element that we forget to allow. And that whole surrender piece that you're talking about is the magical word. But for many, many, many people, you know, that um, allow and stepping into the state of grace is not comfortable. It's not comfortable for a lot of people. It isn't comfortable. And in addition to that, we don't have a framework for that in our minds. We've never been taught how to do that. We know, okay, if we want 10 of something, we need to add five to five. We know how to drive a car, right? Because we're taught, put it in drive, you know, put your foot on the brake, put it in drive or put it in reverse, release off the, the, the brake, you know, all of the, all of the steps. We don't have the steps to surrender or to um, ease or to attraction, right? All of these, these words allowing, what does that mean? You know, what all, Every single one of my clients, they come to me and they say, all right, I'm done. I'm done with living this way. And this is the same place that I was at. And I want to move forward. But how the hell do I do it? Like how? Right? And that is where I come in. And that is my, my space, right? Is really grounding these things into practicality for people. And it's not that hard. It's just the perfectionism kicks in. And it's like, we overthink it, 
right? Like, okay, I'm going to allow and I'm, I'm going to know everything and I'm just going to change overnight. And it's, it's just getting back to these very, very simple practices, right? And just that is where I guide people is, is, is in these like very easy, simplistic things that are very profound, like this paper, right? And even daily I am statements, right? So every day I'll, I'll take out a piece of paper and I'll just write as many I am statements as I can think in the morning. I am capable. I am worthy. I am strong. I am soft. I can trust myself. I'm a good mom. I'm great at what I do. You know, I impact people's lives. All these I am statements. That is part of the reprogramming, right? Because neuroplasticity is dependent on repetition. So it takes roughly, I think, about 300 days of repetition of something to really start to to feel and see a change in your psyche. So if you can utilize these small things every day, um, over time, you will see a difference. That being said, if in that process, you're writing down these I am statements, for instance, and you feel a lot of emotion and a ton of resistance around that, you're writing I am worthy and you are like crying, right? And it's not, it feels so far from truth for you. Then that is an indicator because emotions are an indicator of what's going on within us that you probably need to do some heavier processing, right? And I think that's where seeking out someone like myself, who's a trauma-informed coach or, you know, a therapist or a healer to really work through that stuck energy, that, that unprocessed trauma is where you'll find the real profound results. Mm -hmm. And then, but, but, you know, those day-to-day things can, can take you pretty far in the beginning and can, you can get some good traction there. And again, that, can help you also discover where else you might need to do some deeper work. Mm-hmm. So I'm digging the practicality that you are presenting and holding space for your clients. I think all too often when we try to incorporate spirituality, it becomes so big that we lose the practical elements of how to implement it into our lives. And I couldn't help but to think I was listening to you about your I am statements. And and it's so true. And that when you're talking about the I am statements, you can say, I don't know which words you used exactly, but I am strong and I am soft. And I am, I am driven and yet I'm flexible. I am rigid, but I am this. And and I think when you start to talk about the I am statement, it allows the space to transcend the duality and it softens the energetic field. And I know you and I, when we were talking about setting our intention for today's call, you mentioned that you wanted to hold space to talk about worthiness and how that shows up energetically within the, the physical body and the emotional body. And I think that we've we talked about perfectionism for women. And my experience in holding energetic space for women, that it compromises their heart space for self-love and compassion, which ultimately then triggers a response within the third chakra as to how they claim their sovereignty. And we were talking about that with self-worth. So what do you want to add in? Because I know that that was part of your intention. What do you want to add in to that, into that flow of conversation? Mm. 
I think the, the value add here is just the perspective and the understanding that oftentimes the hustle mm-hmm. and the burnout is not necessarily simplistically because of a lack of boundaries, right? Sometimes people will analyze or post postmortem analyze their burnout and they'll go, I need to set better boundaries. I need to organize my calendar. I need to not take on so much. They find surface level fixes. And what I want to invite people to explore is the deeper connection with that pattern of behavior. So what I mean by that is, is your desire to prove yourself and your desire to overwork and to overperform coming from a lack of self-worth? Are you convinced that the achievements make you worthy in this world? Are you convinced subconsciously that if you don't achieve, you aren't lovable? Or that if you don't do everything, you're not really as smart as you thought you were? You know, what is the meaning that you are putting on that behavior that is tied to your sense of self? Because that is where the transformation happens, not in just setting better boundaries or, you know, changing jobs. Because as a recruiter, I would see people come to me all the time. They want to change jobs, right? And I really have to ask them, tell me why, you know, and I try to get very deep with them on the reason, because oftentimes it's really not about the manager. It's not about the workload. It's that they can't use their voice, right? They can't use their voice because they don't feel that they're allowed because they're not worthy in this world. Their voice isn't worthy of being heard, right? So there's a lot of deep, deep stuff at play here with burnout. And I want to encourage people to really explore the depths of that experience beyond, like I said, these kind of surface level solutions that they might try and feel get them nowhere. I'm going to introduce the idea of energetic reclamation in what we are discussing. And that oftentimes that as we go through our existence, if you will, and we're looking to please, we're looking for approval, we're looking to achieve, that that creates a energetic exchange, which ultimately leaves you feeling depleted. Mm-hmm. And then if you're willing to, like Marissa is suggesting, get down into the nitty gritties as to what's the foundation underneath that, what will magically happen, and I say magically, but the transformation that does occur over time is that you will start to recapture some of the pieces of yourself, some of the essence that you've left lingering behind over the years, whether that be in relationships, organizations, or just in belief patterns. And what's rewarding from where Marissa and I stand is to watch a person literally become more and more full of themselves. And so we get the pleasure of holding that space to watch this radiance come from within. And that's, wow, that just simple. 
I, I just want to use the word powerful, but it's beyond that. It's more than that. That's something that- It's an honor. It's an honor, truthfully, right? Yeah. Yeah. To be a part of that that journey in somebody else. Yeah. So share with us. I know the listeners are going to be curious. Yeah. How do you hold space for other people? Um, I know you do some group things. I know you're known as the anti-hustle coach. So that is, you know, that's clear. That's that's what you're known yeah. as. But yeah. when they come to you and they're in a vulnerable state, how do you show up for them? What does it look yeah. like? It's a great question. So I do, I work with people usually on a one-to-one basis. And there are sort of three kind of phases of coaching that we work through. The first is really about clarity. So it's coming out of the noise, coming out of expectations, coming out of should, getting into the soul and really getting clear on what is there within. You know, you can't create something new unless you know what it looks like until you're ready to actually claim it. You know, you can't have it if you're not willing to own it and say, this is actually what I want for myself and to put a stake in the ground. That's kind of the first step. The second step beyond that clarity is really about healing and clearing. So once you know, now you've got this clarity, you know what you want, you're owning it, you're ready. What do you need to move out of the way? And that is all the subconscious programming stuff. So that's where a lot of the trauma healing comes in and the subconscious reprogramming work that we do in that kind of second phase. And then once you've cleared that out, then it's putting something new back in. So this is the fun part at the end, which is always the easiest, which is the co-creation. So now that I'm clear and I'm believing and I'm ready and I know what I want, how do I actually create it with the universe? And that's the really fun part, right? About vibration and, and lining up vibrationally and signs and prayer and, you know, spiritual practice and all the fun stuff, you know, that, that's, that's the exciting part. And you start to see signs of it in your, your experience. So those are the three phases that I work through with people one-to-one. And I am actually launching in a couple of weeks, my very first group program that's been in the works for me for three years called the Anti-Hustle Academy. So I'm really excited about that. That's going to kick off in October, the first one. And that will be live group calls and pre-recorded modules and exercises and just a really awesome like energetic exchange from like-minded people. So I got to launch that one out into the universe and uh, I'm pumped about it. So yeah. Lovely. Well, I'm personally going to be looking forward to seeing how you uh, show up and express yourself and hold space for others in that program. Marissa, what, how do you want people to connect with you? I know you, I know you're active on social media. Do you prefer that they send you a direct email or do you want them to reach out via your website? What's your preference? Yeah, always. I'm very easy to get a hold of on Instagram. Um, email is also great. Um, I do have links on both to book a time to speak with me. If you want to just hop on Zoom and, and chat through your, your desires and your, your blocks and what it is that I do in more detail. So either way is fine, but I really encourage people to take the step to at least have a conversation because I enjoy it. It makes me feel good to be able to give back. And I really just love being able to hop on with people and give them the personal attention. 
Yeah. And listeners, I know um, you can find all this information on the show notes, but let me spell Marissa's name so you know how to connect with her. And that is M-A-R-I-S-A. Her last name is spelled H-O-H-A-I-A. So on her email, on her website, and all of her social media, you can find her by her first and last name. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And personally, listeners, I've had the pleasure of watching and listening and connecting and being fortunate enough to hold space for Marissa today. She has a lovely essence. I know that we've um, both been excited to connect and to share some of the, the information that Marissa has shared with us today. So from the bottom of my heart, I just really appreciate I'm I'm thankful and I'm appreciative and I'm in a state of gratitude. So thank you for being with us today on the podcast, Energy Medicine. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Such an awesome conversation. I have a feeling that this will not, I think this will be the beginning of many conversations. So (laughs) I hope um, so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So listeners, please stay tuned for this short message and we'll be right back. You have been listening to the podcast, Energy Medicine, where we are aligning your mind, body, and spirit with energy-based modalities. For more information about Dr. Mary Sanders or our podcast, please check out our website at www.drmarysanders.com. Thank you for listening.